Hey y'all and welcome back to Ray of Light TV podcast. I'm your host Raven Lynn welcoming you all back to another episode of Soul Care Sunday. Now you all may know me from Instagram as the YouTuber, TikToker, dancer, or even the girl who's always making encouraging faith-based content. But here on this podcast, you will get to experience me in a whole new light as I take you through our Soul Care Sunday series. Here on this podcast, transparency and healing is the focus behind every episode. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the radical transformation that will occur in this podcast that is destined to leave you better than when you came. Thanks for joining us and welcome to Ray of Light TV. Hello all and welcome back to the Ray of Light TV podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me and I welcome you all back to another episode of Soul Care Sunday. Uh, For today's episode, I have invited two clinical health professionals on for the finale of our series, Mental Health in the Media. If you have not been keeping up with the podcast, I would encourage you to please go back and watch the previous three episodes of this series and then catch up on a few of my other series as well. I promise that it will ensure to leave you spiritually fed with greater educational understanding and a community of women that support you. Um, Now, before we go any further, I would love to introduce my guests. Uh, So I give you all the floor now. We can start with Joe. Sandra, you can go. Okay. All right. My name is uh, Dr. Joanne Lifford Sanders, and I'm a retired dean of uh, behavioral sciences and education. I've been a, I'm a licensed uh, clinical uh, counselor with a supervision designation for 20 some years. Uh, I've had experience in private practice, but also being a professor, a program director of a graduate counseling class, uh, an associate dean and a dean. And uh, so I think that I bring in a little bit of experience uh, to this particular discussion. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love all of that experience. And I just feel like a baby in the field. Um, But I am Joanne Holloway, and I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, And I began my career actually, um, probably over 20 something years ago, as a licensed social worker. So I've worked in the field of um, child welfare, um, education, and I'm currently, for the last uh, 16 years, I believe, I've been working with people with developmental disabilities, specifically adults, um, for most of that career. And then for the last maybe five or six years, I have specifically worked with adults with developmental disabilities who are also parents. So that spans my career, um, but I'm happy to be here today, and thank you for inviting me. Yes, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, so today uh, on the podcast, I felt that it would be best to do this in a semi-Q&A style. So I've gathered some questions that are specifically for mental health professionals that I would just like to uh, share with you guys. I know I've taken some um, questions from some of my subscribers, so I'm just going to put all that on you guys and hopefully you guys can answer the questions. 
All right, let's get to it. Uh, so number one, the first question, and you guys kind of answered it a little bit, but how did your background in clinical psychology start? Why did you choose psychology? Um, what has it done for you? Um, why, why psychology? And I would okay. like to ask this first to um, Dr. Joanne. Okay, so I'm, I, I'm answering, but you all won't just keep deferring to me because uh, <laughs> Joanne and I will both talk. But so let me, let me just try to see if I can clear up something. I'm not a clinical psychologist. And so I am a clinical professional counselor. And so even though we, we have a lot of the same alignment, we're two separate professions. So I'm not a psychologist, I am a, a, a counselor. And I think one of the things that drew me to counseling was, um, I, and I was been a long time when I was studying in the 80s, 90s, so it was, it was, it was a little while back, uh, I, understood, I, I think I understood psychology and counseling wrong. I wanted to work with people. I wanted to work, and I, I thought that psychology was more of a research base, which I figured now that it isn't, but I wanted to be right in the ground working with people. So my, my interest was in being able to be a, a practitioner, and so my, my minor is in family studies and so I wanted to be able to work with families and the like and so that's what I really went to school for because I wanted to be a practitioner. Along the way I recognized that there was not enough people who looked like me in the field and so then I switched my foci from actual practice to trying to train those who would be in practice so that people would have a um, more of people who look like them in the, in the field but I want to be clear Ethically, I am not a psychologist. Thank you. Yeah. And I'd have to agree. Um, same thing. Our psychologist colleagues, as close as we are and as close as we might work together, they get upset if we claim that. <laughs> um, but I, too, am a licensed professional counselor. So my study is in um, clinical mental health counseling as well. And what brought me to the field was, I think, a couple of things. It kind of morphed into something different, I think, along the way as I matured and got older. But initially, as um, a senior in high school, preparing for college, I remember sitting in, um, I think, maybe the college advisor office, and they were asking what I wanted to do. Same thing. I said, I want to help people. Um, I want my major to be in psychology. Mm. And they explained to me, and, and now I believe that it might have been some sort of bias being um, a Black female. Oh, yeah. Um, but, and I was also raised in a predominantly um, Caucasian community, probably 95%. So, now I know what they were explaining. They were trying to keep me away from that particular profession as a psychologist. And what they said was, well, you know, you have to be a doctor to do that. And you're going to have to go to school for a really long time. And when you're 18, that yeah. really long time sounded like forever. And I said, oh, no, I want to do that. I just want to help people. I just want to work with people. I want to be able to see them and help them with their problems. And so... Of course, undergrad, you can't really be a counselor. 
But what I did was I went into social work and I learned that that was very rewarding. I could work with people directly. And I did um, get my license in social work, which meant I could do also some counseling, some supportive counseling. Um, so that fulfilled me for a little while. And then as I developed and learned the field over time, I really said I want to be able to do one day private practice mm. and do some more intensive counseling, which led me probably, gosh, I might have been, ooh, I would say maybe 15 years or so in my career, and I decided to go back to school um, for my master's degree in counseling. And right now, I'm kind of um, teetering, maybe some might say procrastinating, on getting that other clinical designation. Um, but I am, you know, right now practicing as a licensed professional counselor, which means I work under supervision. Okay. Um, but, you know, I am a test and a prayer away. I just have been, all my study materials are, are piled here. And I go up for prayer probably once a month for the Lord <laughs> to give me the courage and to break this procrastination. But anyway, you know, the other thing that I learned maybe why I got into this profession is they say, you know, some of us get in this profession because you've been through something. Mm -hmm. And for me at 18, other than losing my older sister, um, tragically to suicide, I don't think I had been through much tragedy or trauma before that. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe God was preparing me for what was to come. Yeah. And then I went through several things along my journey throughout my career. And it really has helped to shape me as a clinician. So that is why I'm here. Wow, that was excellent. Thank you for sharing. I think that was a great segue point into my next question, which we can also, we can start with you. Um, Sister Joanne, y'all have the same name. One got to be, okay, you're going to be Sister J. And then my Auntie Joe will be Auntie Joe. You're going to be Sister J. So Sister J, how do you think your educational background has, um, I guess, helped you understand the things of God better or has affected your relationship with God in any way? Because I know that, um, you know, many people, like, I feel like everybody in a, in a way struggles with some sort of mental health something. Um, but I just feel like that education piece versus not having that education piece can definitely affect how you interact with God or how you presume God to be interacting with you. So has there been anything that has helped you with your relationship from having this educational background in psychology? Yes, um, several things. I think that understanding um, what's involved in um, mental health counseling and, and that sort of thing. I think it's helped me develop more patience with people. And, you know, sometimes that just comes through the Holy Spirit where you just have to sit down and just let God lead your work um, and direct you for how you're working with people and dealing with people. You know, I've also learned that you don't have to, you know, sometimes um, throwing your God at people and your salvation and love for him at people who are not necessarily in the church 
that might, um, as much as we wanted to push that on them, that might push them away. And it may affect their, um, their journey into healing. But to have the maturity to know that the spirit is working through me in everything I do, whether I'm at work or whether I'm in my private time or whether I'm worshiping. And I just have to trust that God is in the midst of me working with some of those really um, critical and serious needs of the clients that I work with. And that might mean I pray over them while I'm working with them, you know, internally, or pray before I have a meeting with somebody or something like that, you know, and I'm often praying because um, my work can be so challenging and difficult. I'm always asking God to cover me, direct me, guide me, you know, just be there for us, help me to know what to say or to do for these clients. So I think the, it might be more my relationship with God helped to shape the education secondarily instead of the other way around. Um, you know, just a whole, he's just got to be in everything. And, and also, you always hear in this field, it takes a special person to do the kind of work you do. Um, and when I talk about working with parents who have disabilities, it, people automatically go, oh my gosh, how does that work? How do you handle that? And I think not only does it take a special person, but it really takes a calling. And you got to know that you are right where God wants you to be. Great answer. Auntie Jo, anything to add or share? Yeah, for, your perspective? Yeah, for, for me, I, I see um, mental health professionals as being one of the gifts for the church. So I see mm -hmm. as one of the helps for, for, the, for the church. There was nothing that I have studied in all of my studying that has not directly been rooted or aligned with religious and biblical principles. The, if, if I look at the work of, of anybody, Freud or any of that, no, nothing is new under the sun. So I can, I can clearly take a lot of the, the theoretical orientations that we use to make sense of someone's journey and see that as, a, as a, a, either an alignment with a biblical principle or something trying to go against a biblical principle. So I have come to the conclusion, and, and I had this many years ago, that everything that people need is in the church. And so when there's a need for mental health services, there always has been, God has that rooted in the church. So I, have, I, I remember sitting in classes and people would be teaching and I could say, oh, well, this is what Paul was talking about, or mm -hmm. this is something so I can see those principles add up. So even though counseling is just now moving to where they want to try to understand the spiritual and religious, they have this new like auxiliary called a cervix that's talking about spiritual and religious, how, how to influence that in, in, in the counseling without being oppressive in terms of, as Joanne said, imposing your own belief, but we wouldn't do that in counseling anyway. So again, I, I see it as being one and the same. I see it as being a nuance of how to help people embrace most 
people, most people, even people who are atheists, most people have a dimension in them, a, uh, a Maslow called it a transcendence, which means there is a need for spirituality or religion or a soft place to land like that. There's that need. And so they may not be able to articulate it in terms of this is a need for me. And so how, if we can, if we can embrace that within the counseling um, uh, relationship, then I think that that's a really significant place. But for me, it, it's one and the same. The, the principles that, that I apply, whether they are biblical principles, whether they're solution focused, whatever that like that, it always comes from the place of finding the existential place of this person. What does life mean to you? How are you making sense of life? Does that make Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. and, and, th and that is the part that when you help a client to discover that, then that is is almost the beginning of an empowerment piece for them because most of us are trying to figure out what is what is this all about wow that was so i hope y'all are taking notes subscribers because that is some free gym free counseling for you right there amen <laughs> and what i think you said auntie joe was so important because the church really does it, they are equipped essentially with everything we need whether it be behavioral health physical health anything yeah. it's all there um but i just think it is a matter of we're not really aware of it because i know when i was struggling with you know behavioral health issues my first instant was let me see who in the church is a counselor. That wasn't my first, that wasn't my yeah. first thought. And I feel like it's not a lot of people's fault because when we think of serving in the church, we think of like ushers, pastors, like, you know, whatever. But it's so much more than operating in, in the five-fold ministry. There's so many other roles that people have in the church, just like um, Sister Sister Jay was saying, is it's a calling to being you know, a counselor. Some people are called to be the best nurses. Some people are called to be the best English teachers. Some people are called to be all that. And I feel like it's just you know recognizing and honoring everyone's gifts in the church, even if they don't take on a five-fold role, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would like to add that I think in terms of having that available in the church, I really think that we have to do a better job of letting people know that that support is there. Yeah, um, that ministry is there. Um, I believe that, you know, coming up in the church, particularly in our faith, you know, the first thing people say when you're struggling mentally, pray about it absolutely pray about it, but you need some counseling. And that spiritual ministry in counseling is really probably what could catapult you into your healing. But we forget that part, the therapeutic um, part of that. And I really would like to um, see a change in, in that development. I was second that so I was second that tremendously something my auntie Jo said she did a presentation I think it was yesterday she said something oh my gosh that I have been struggling with for so long and it's like the minute she said it it broke off of me that's how powerful it was and she said you can be mentally distressed and spiritually healthy and that can coexist at the same time mm -hmm. and I feel like for me somebody who you know struggles with a you know, just a lot of things. We don't got to get into that. But somebody who struggles, it is 
often very easy to perceive it as this is off. So there's something I'm doing with God is off. Something in that is off too. And they can live simultaneously and not yeah. be the same thing. And I feel like so many people in the church and we, and we play into it by just saying things like pray about it, or, you know, that's a demon or whatever. And it's like, no, maybe it's not that maybe me and God are good, but I'm still struggling with this. And those mm-hmm. two can, it can inhabit the same space yeah and that it's it's just very much like i said yesterday diabetes is a disorder of the pancreas you can have (laughs) diabetes and still love god so (laughs) so having a mental illness not 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 a mental distress but a mental illness the things that 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 joanne is working with those families is it is a biological disease of the mind but they, they still can, that's how you get a professional sometimes medicine, you still can have a solid relationship with God. So th- that's why I say that, that the church, we're getting better. We're getting better. But the pandemic opened for many people this understanding that there are a lot of people here that are struggling with this this piece what are we struggling with we're struggling with this isolation and those kinds of things that does not mean that we are not strong in god that means that something has overwhelmed our emotional system in such a way that i'm i can't get out (laughs) i can't think i don't know when this is going to end all of those kinds of things come upon you at once upon everybody so there is no one person you can call to say, oh, it's going to be because they may be struggling too. So then mm-hmm. it, it allowed the church then to open up and say, you know what? Maybe we need to, we need to see this. I'll say one more thing and then I'll, and I'll be quiet. I was talking to one of my bishop friends and he said, let's think about this. A man was blind. God spit into the dirt and made a salve. He made medicine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay, he put medicine. <laughs> That's good. Hear mm. it, hear it, saints, catch it. I caught it. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I caught it. <laughs> right. Yes, that's very important. Medicine is okay. It's okay, guys. It's good. Okay, let's let's move on. So my next question, I'm gonna uh, introduce a few questions for my sub. So one of my subscribers asked. Uh, what would be, or do you guys as, as counselors have any tips for mental clarity and high performing students in today's society? Um, high performance. I think I learned about that in psychology, but for those, can you explain that trait of what high performance means, Auntie Jo or, well, or Sister J? Well, I, I'll, I'll let Sister J go first because I just finished talking because, you know, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not really sure specifically high-performing students, but I, I'm, I know that I have one. Um, I know that my own child is a high-performing student, and, you know, she's going to kill me, but definitely struggles with, um, mm-hmm. you know, giving herself the grace that she needs right. um, yeah. to, to know that she's in the right place, doing the right thing, doing the best she can. and. Um, and, and that's really it, just understanding that God gives us grace for those things, um, you know, but 
I know that it's easier said than done. We can tell a person who is um, struggling with uh, meeting all of those expectations and usually their expectations that they put on them themselves. Um, it's easy to tell them to just relax. It's okay. You're in the right place. Nothing's going to happen if you, you know, get a B. Um, but there has to be a change of their own thought. There has to be a behavioral, um, a thought process change. And, you know, a lot of times we go to cognitive behavioral therapy or something like that to really help them to see a different perspective. They have to come to terms with seeing this um, graceful perspective on their own and, you know, self-affirmations. I mean, unless they're seeing a therapist, they can, you know, there are tools that they can go to themselves. Self-affirmation, self-help, um, exercise, coping, any kind of coping activities they can do, you know. Um, and I'm always say pray about it if, you know, <laughs> if, if that's, the, that's something they can do and something they know to do, absolutely pray about it. I, I love that. That what you said was so, was so beautifully stated. I, I went back to school as an older adult and I suffered from what I call AI-ness. I like to get A's. And if I didn't get an A, somebody gonna have to explain to me how this is wrong. But one of the things that I realized, and, the, and those high-performing students, so there's a couple of things. One of the things that I realized that it is much more than about high-performing. It's about how you view yourself in relationship to others. And, and I, one of the things that I learned and I would share that, that God only made one my raven. I don't care where you go in this world, you will never find another person like Raven. Never. People can try to imitate him. So you're basically competing against yourself because you're not, you don't have to compete against anybody else because there's nobody like you. Nobody that's going to be as great as you. Nobody that's going to do things just like you do. So put it into context. And, and that's what Joanna's saying. It is, it is almost a reintroduction of yourself to you because if you're competing for these high expectations there's somebody else's expectations they're not yours mm -hmm. and when because when they become yours they'll be balanced wow if, if i if i'm if i'm leaping for something that is way beyond me somebody else has had to set that parameter for me so i've got to say now okay what can i do to to get this Hey, if that's what I want. Now, if it means that I'm going to have to stay up for four or five nights, I'm not going to eat and sleep. I can't do that. I can't do that. So I need to figure out another way. And then I need to understand who am I competing against. But I, I also think that that really, really high performing going unchecked is very dangerous. Mm. And I could give you, and Joanne probably will tell you, many, many statistics of students who don't leave those environments safe because they're isolated and they're someplace and they only have the thought of competing against some other unknown something and you will never ever win 
Okay. Absolutely. All right. We lost our picture of Raven, and I don't know who this other person is. Yeah. Joanne, you want to say anything guys, else about Sister that? Joanne, do you have anything to say? Yeah, good. Um, no, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. And, you know, that the kind of, that fight against your own self and your own expectations is, is really where it's at. That's the key. To realize no one else out there is has created these expectations for you, but you. Right. So, you know, I really like when you said that, you know, you, once you realize what your expectations are the, for yourself, you can create balance mm -hmm. um, when you get a realistic view of those expectations. And I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, my subscribers want to know, as, you know, licensed counselors, what do you guys do? So I think my, you know, kind of rebuttal to that would be um, outside of work, like what are some things that you do for your personal self and how you maintain your own balance and make sure that you don't get like, you know, over the line, just real left field, but, you know, maintain that balance. Hmm. Sister Day, you can go first. <laughs> I'm still trying to find it. I got to be honest. Okay, <laughs> good. So, so everybody knows um, that this is a continual progression. It's not an age where you just... Oh, yeah. It's continual. Um, I think one, one thing that people may not realize are mental health professionals need a mental health professional. Right. You're not going to find one who just has it all together and just doesn't need to have maybe that outside source to maybe talk to somebody else to keep them balanced. Mm -hmm. um, for me though, I am struggling with finding balance again because of just changes in life, changes in schedule. Um, being, I'm a new empty nester. So I had to realize, and in a pandemic, learn how to be home by myself. And what do I do to relax when I'm not having to take care of my daughter? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I'm learning. But what I decided, and people think I'm just crazy. I might be. I bought a, I'm laughing because I know people are going to watch and say, yeah, that's hard. I bought a um, VR game system. And I love it. <laughs> I never thought of myself as um, a video gamer. And I'm, I'm not that young, you know. So <laughs> I get on there and I play my games. And, you know, there's even VR church, y'all. It is so cool. <laughs> it's, it's so nice. Um, so, you know, and I've met people and, and I'm able to talk to people. And that has been so helpful during the pandemic to just do something different and odd, a little quirky, maybe nerdy, but I love it. And it's such an escape. Who, who knew you could put on a headset and forget you're in your living room? So lately, that's my, my thing to relax. And I also like a good mystery thriller movie or, or series. I second that. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with Joanne. I, I don't think that... I, I, I'm not certain if I've really found 
a kind of balance. I'm trying to find a place of peace so that I can not lose my creativity because I retired last last year, the year before I, I retired. So after being really, really active doing something for so long, when I first retired, I thought this, I'm not gonna make it through this. But I tried to figure out for me, um, what does balance really look like? And for, for me, balance is peace in my, in my heart. So that means to be able to say, if I get up and I want to walk on my treadmill, I brought me a Nordic track at a certain age and I was exercising a lot anyway, but to get on there and I can walk and I can listen, but I'm trying to figure out something that's routine, but not too routine, a little meditation in the morning, those kinds of things. But then I also have learned that rest is your friend. You know, it, it, it does not mean that you're lazy to say, you know what, I, I think I'm going to lay here a couple more hours if I can. Yes, and then yes. get up and, and do that. That that is that is a friend. And then to try to learn how to eat right and then to learn how to not overload myself with the concerns of other people outside of what I need to do. So I, I'm just trying to learn how, how do I how, how do I give just enough to be helpful, but I have learned how to uh, tell people I'm like Maxine Waters, I'm reclaiming my time. Mm. I'm, I'm reclaiming that. So you can't have, yes. you can't take four or five hours telling me all about your stuff. I won't allow that anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, on the regular, there are, there are moments for when my phone, like Joanne calls me, I'm like, cause I'm gonna have to talk to her about this clinical piece. I, I haven't forgotten that. I want you to know that uh, people may not understand it, but we need our independent licenses. So I'm, I'm going to stick work, work on Joanne outside of prayer to help her to get that independent license so she can do her own shingle without supervision. But, but that's another point, mm -hmm. but it's those kinds of things. But I, I, I just don't, I don't allow what I consider to be a lot of stuff to come in because I, I, I can, but I don't have the energy to then try to separate what was good for me, what wasn't good for me. So for me, it's about a peace, in my mind that I can transfer peace to somebody else. Is that, I don't know if that makes sense to you all, but that's, that as, close, that's as close to balance as I can get. Yeah. I'm gonna be off balance sometime, but if when I fall over here, peace is lifting me, then I should be back here pretty mm -hmm. soon. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me, um, Dr. Joanne, because I think in this field, that silence and that time to rest, as you say, is so important. We have to um, unload all that has been loaded into us mm -hmm. um, from other places and other people and just the work itself that we're taking on um, from other people. And I often think I'm odd, but I don't mind spending time being quiet yeah just doing nothing mm -hmm. and you know I have friends that say how can you do that how can you sit on a Saturday for three or four hours or all day if I want to and have nothing to do mm -hmm. that brings me peace mm -hmm. sometimes I look up and I might have just been scrolling on my phone or maybe just listening to different music videos mm -hmm. or whatever, 
And I look up, it's been four or five hours. And I'm like, whoo, but I was relaxed. <laughs> and I had to learn to not feel guilty for that. Yeah, absolutely. Self-care. My niece talks about it all the time. Not only we need soul care, we need self-care. And absolutely. we need, and, and, and I, I will say this, I don't know who your listeners are. Women of color need to learn this now they need to learn it at raven's age they need to not wait until they're in their 70s and everything and then try to make up we they need to understand mm -hmm. ha having a girl's lunch two or three hour girl's lunch where there is nothing but food and laughter is healthy for the soul taking a girl's trip if and i don't talk about really expensive stuff there's a lot of things a bunch of women get together and we're going to walk around the zoo or something. I mean, there, there's things that people can, that, that we can do that we used to think were luxuries of other cultures, but we've got to learn how to do this and not make a big deal about it. What are y'all doing? We going to a spa. We want to get everything broken, relaxed, muscled and everything. And then come out. Oh, that's too expensive. No, not for you. It's not. Because you need it, and you're not doing it every week. That's you know, right. does, does that make sense? What I'm saying. So, to be able prioritize to prioritize yourself. Uh, uh, there's nothing better than a book club with a group of um, high-performing women. That is absolutely wonderful because it's going to be laughing. I mean, anywhere you can get that adrenaline moving, and there's a little bit of consistency. Not enough that it's intrusive, but just a little bit of consistency once a month. We're going to read something. We're going to come together, even if it's on Zoom. You know, so th there's ways. But we have to learn that that is a part of mental health. That's a mm -hmm. part. Because I told them, Joanne, we run up and down this continuum from being mentally healthy to just one step over the cuckoo's nest. And we have to learn. We have to learn how to... We, we, that's going to happen all of it. We have to learn how to sometimes put the brakes on and say, you know, I'm spending a little bit too much time down here in my own mind and I'm not speaking positive things. So I need to figure out how to do that. So that's good. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are setting the floor for my panel that I'm actually having October 22nd. Ladies, save the day. It's going to be all about soul care. Um, it's going to be a couple hours, so we're going to really have time to dig in depth to this. But I'm so glad that we got to kind of talk about this discussion now. Both these ladies are going to be on my panel. So if y'all loving it, just join back. The very last question that I have, because I don't want us to be on here too long, is um, where did my question go? Oh, here we go. Uh, statistically, who do you guys, you know what, that's not the question that I want to ask. I think the question that I want to ask is how will my subscribers know that it's time for them to go see a counselor? When would you guys say is the best time, like, you know, now it's time to get some help? As soon as possible. As soon as you feel that um, you're not balanced. Mm -hmm. um, not when things are critical, because that may be too late to actually see a counselor. Not when you feel like you have lost all sense of control of yourself, but when you just start to feel something's not quite right with me. You don't have to understand what it is at that time. Just know you've got to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. 
and and don't look at counseling as being I need to go and be fixed. That's not what counseling does. There there are there are varying levels, there's varying times when you just simply need to talk with someone. And um I think that when you need to go, I agree with with Joanne that 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 that, that is one piece, but I also believe that um that it sometimes it's just good. You can't make sense of things or you feel less, as Joanne said, that I'm just a little bit off. You know, you, you don't have to wait till the house is on fire to call the fire truck. Sometimes <laughs> you can smell a little bit, you know, you, you let me sit in my house and I smell like did I, a little wire or something burning and I cannot find what it is. I may call me a fire truck. So I think that sometimes we have to pay a little attention to our ourselves. If you're sitting around the house and you're not doing anything, and you, and your stomach starts cramping, you go to the doctor. You don't you don't wait. To, well, I'm gonna wait and see. You know if it's if it's cancer. No, you keep thinking something. So the same way that you attend to yourself from a physical, and then and I have to even be careful because women of color, we don't we still are not not doing that kind of thing. But when you feel a little off or when you just can't provide answers for yourself. Mm -hmm. I start asking myself questions and I can't provide what I consider to be clear, succinct answers. That may be a time for me to call somebody, a counselor. I really want to tell you about my thinking about, we got a lot of bootleg people out here who I don't want to want to talk about that. I only want to say the word, but anyway, to be able to just talk to somebody and say, can you help me figure this out? Because counseling is not always for the crisis. That's not, that's not, that that's not always with the crisis. And so there, there are those who people who have insurance and everything. There are provisions in there for mental health. Go in there and use some of your, your stuff. There's some visit times that your insurances will pay. Use that. And so I, I say, you know, sometimes you need to just call somebody, preferably somebody that you don't know. That's why I say a counselor, somebody for which confidentiality is going to be at the, the top and just say to them, this is what I'm experiencing because everything is not a diagnosable disorder. There are instances for which there just is an adjustment. Something's going on that you need to make a different kind of adjustment. But I only see the word world myopically. I can only see it here. And I can't think to just drop those because this is, this is who I am. And a counselor may just say, drop your left hand. You <laughs> put it down somewhere. You can think, why did I think about that? Because you're so myopically engaged in... I don't want to fall. I don't want people to think I'm weak. I'm not crazy. Don't let that stuff go. Mm -hmm. Let that, let that, sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. And the times that you feel like a nut, go get some help. They said it all. <laughs> said it all. All right, guys. Well, I hope that you are leaving here with some valuable words of wisdom. I know that I got something. Um, be on the lookout. We're going to be taking a little break from the podcast in preparation for the panel. But y'all, the panel is going to be so fire. I'm so excited. Um, so thank you all so much for being here. And we'll see y'all next week. Thank you.